So this morning, we are going to continue our series in the book of Ephesians and in chapter 4. And I'm going to introduce who is speaking to you this morning. His name is Lem James. He is a member here at LEFC. And uh, I asked him a few months ago to come and speak. And you're probably thinking, well, why would you just ask any member to come and speak? And that's because I know if I asked many of you, you would just pass out on the spot. But uh, you need to know a little bit something about Lem. It, it, he's not just any member. He is a captain, an officer in the United States Army, and he is chaplain in the Army. And, uh, and so, as, yes, thank you. And as part of LEFC, he is, uh, it's our role as brothers in Christ to make sure that he can fulfill the calling upon his life uh, because his time in the military isn't going to be forever. And, uh, and so uh, this is an opportunity for him to speak to his church. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy and appreciate hearing from my brother. Thank you. So it's yours. Whoa. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? I like a lively audience, so don't be afraid to amen to speak. As Tony said, my name is Lem James. I'm from Columbia, Pennsylvania. Can anything good come from Columbia? The Lord can make it good. <laughs> um, up on the projector here, you'll see my family. My wife is Cindy. Oldest one is Mikey, younger one is Zeke. You may know us from the foyer, the every once in a while meltdown. We thank you for your, your grace towards us. Um, and yeah, I've, been, I've had the pleasure of being here for about three years. Um, my wife and I attend the Mosaic ABF. Um, I've had the privilege of teaching in Mosaic and the Philippians ABF. Um, so that's me, and now I want to get to know a little bit about you. I'm going to do a little exercise here. If you've been a Christian for more than one day, and as I say Christian, I mean born-again believer, you know him. You, you've, you've been saved from your sins. If you've been a Christian more than one day, I want you to raise your hand and keep it high. Okay. And as I go... In elapsed time, you can drop your hand. Keep it up. One year, two years, three years, four years, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. All right, pause. Everybody look around the room. Keep your hands raised if you're over 20. Praise God. I'm going to start jumping by fives, because I did this last service, and it got a little bit out of control. 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. All right, everybody pause again. Look around the room. All those that don't have their hand raised, praise God for what he's done. Look at this, 50-plus years. Fifty 
Ma'am, you should not have your hand up. You look way too young to have your hand up for 50 years. 55. 60. 65. Do I have any hands up? I see two. Three. 70? Anybody 70? I see a hand there. I see that hand. 70 years. Can you please stand? If you're 70 years or more, please stand. Praise God. Praise God. Look at the gift in this room. If you were 30 years or more, please raise your hand again. Take note to the grace of God in our midst. The gift of salvation and keeping us for how long? I'm 37 years old. Raise your hand if you're 37 or more. As long as I've been alive, you've been a believer. Praise God. Hopefully by the end of this sermon, whether you are elderly in the faith, a babe in Christ, or anywhere in between, you'll be encouraged to continue to grow in maturity, and you'll also see around us that we need one another to continue to grow. So with that, I want to get into our passage, Ephesians chapter 4. Ushers are going to be going through the aisles. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand and they'll get you one. Ephesians chapter 4, when you're there, say amen. Amen. I'm going to be starting at verse 7 and reading through verse 13. Read along with me. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, I pray that you would use your word here today and your word preached pray for clarity of mind for all, all of us here, myself and the hearer. I pray that we would be at a place by your spirit to receive what you have to say. Spirit work, because if you don't, what's the point of any of this? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. My Lord, my rock, my redeemer. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who uh, have been attending LEFC, you know that we're in a sermon series called One Lord, One Church, One Mission. And it's been a blessing to think about that in this season. Tony's heart was that we would align coming back to be able to fellowship after the coronavirus pandemic. I guess we're still in it, but you know what I mean. We're yet to be back together again as one church. And what should that look like? Last week, Tyler did a great job. He said of Ephesians chapters 1 to 3, what God has done through Jesus to make us one. 
And then he summarized four to six, looking forward, how we are to walk as one. He said that the foundation was set by the blood of Jesus to enable a unity. It was between the Jew and the Gentile, and that also extends to every Christian today. We should be a unified church. And there was an urgent call for us to keep and maintain that unity. One Lord, one church, one mission. Our one Lord is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came to earth. He died a death that you and I deserve to die. He lived a life that none of us could live, that none of us did live. This same Lord resurrected from the grave, and because of that, we too can be made alive. And through this Lord, we Gentiles who were once far off are now brought near as one church with the believing Jews. And this leads to the idea of the one mission. What is the one mission? And if you catch anything and apply it to your life, I hope that this stays with you today. The reason for the one church, the mission of this church is for one thing. As a matter of fact, it's the reason for anything, both seen and unseen. And that is to what? Glorify God. Ephesians 3 concluded saying this in verse 20. It said to him, in speaking of God, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So to God be the glory in the one Lord, and to God be the glory in the one church. This is the mission of the one church. There's that general mission of everything, to glorify God. We all know the verse. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, glorify God. So what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you wear, what you post online, what you do in private and public, in the home, in the street, in the bed, wherever you are, that should be to glorify God. Amen? And thank God that he also gave us a specific call. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. On the basis of that, he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded. And he said he'd be with us even to the very end of the age. Oh, church, that should get you hype. Why? Because God, the God of the universe says, I'm sending you on mission, and I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm coming with you. I'll be with you. We can't fail. The mission can't fail, not like the Eagles do often. <laughs> My team already won this week, so I get to say that. <laughs> I'm America's team. I'm a good American. You all know. <laughs> the mission can't fail. God is going to do what he said he's going to do. And how is he going to do that? He's given us his spirit. Before Jesus uh, was crucified, he promised to send the spirit. He said that the helper would come. And then when he ascended, the helper did come and empowered the apostles so that they would go and complete this mission in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. My friends, the Holy Spirit is still working today. 
If you confess the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit empowers you too. The mission's not over. There's still many that need to hear that one day, every nation, tribe, people, and language will be represented before the Lamb, and we will praise him together. People of beautiful dark skin, people of beautiful fair skin, tall people, short people. I want to say old and young, and I was wrestling with this earlier, and I'm wrestling with it again. I'm not sure what it's going to look like in the time to come, but there's going to be a beauty of diversity before the Lord, and we'll praise him together, unified. Look what the Holy Spirit's doing. Generationally, look what he's doing in this church. Praise him, which gets into our verses for today, verse 7. And I want to start at verse 4 for context. So Ephesians 4, starting at verse 4, and I'll read through verse 7. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 6 end, ends by saying that God is the father of all. He's over all, through all, and in all. And this is why verse 7 starts. But, but, yes, there's a all the collective, but specifically, individually, to each one of us, grace has been given. Catch that? So who's the us? I think Paul is saying here, us, both the Jews and you all, the Gentiles, not just the leadership, not just the believing Jews, but the Gentiles, to each one of us, he's including everyone that would be in his audience, right? And that would be, that would be amazing for the, Jew, uh, the Gentile to hear. Why? They were not a part of the ethnic line of Abraham but they were seen as legitimate children, grafted in. And God, who sees them as legitimate children, provides for his children as they're his. There's many people here that have the blessing of being able to adopt other kids. I know you feel this right now. You look at them, and I've been adopted into a Christian family. I, didn't, I know they're here. Doc and March, wherever you're at, I love you. Thanks for bringing me in, treating me like your own, adopting me in as a legitimate child. That's how I feel, and that's how we are as Christians, legitimate children. And what's he gift us with? To each one gets grace. What's grace? Grace is a gift, being gifted something that we don't deserve, being gifted something that we couldn't earn, LEFC, we couldn't earn God's grace. We don't deserve God's grace. Oh, but he's gracious and praise God that he gifts us. Verse 7 continued, it said, as Christ apportioned it, the one who gives the grace or the gift is the same one that determines what gifts to give and how much to give. In his sovereignty, in his wisdom, he knows what to give us. And there's an appropriate way to respond to a gift, 
a good way and there's an evil, improper way to respond. So what's that look like? It's gift-giving time, right? Gift-giving season, Christmas time. You got the Christmas tree. It's all set up. There's a big gift underneath the tree. What do you think that kid's running for that morning, that big one? He wants to see what's in there. Very first thing, gets up, runs to the Christmas tree, ripping that thing open, and the parents are looking, watching. They want to see the response. What happens when the response is a face of disgust or of apathy? Well, that parent is thinking, this is repulsive. I spent my hard-earned money on that. I'm going to take that gift back to the store. No, we're, we're usually gracious, huh? But how beautiful it is when the opposite happens. Makes me think of little Zeke, my son, my, my little one. Gets a gift. He was a toddler at the time. We help him get it open because he couldn't rip the gift open by himself. Got the box. Free the toy out of the box. And what's he play with? The box. <laughs> But the beautiful thing there, right, the gratefulness, the joy, the appreciation. You know, God loves a grateful heart. He loves a thankful heart. Let's recognize the grace that he's given us. And I haven't been keeping to my manuscript at all. <laughs> Praise God. You know, if we're being truthful, though, it's so easy to um, be jealous, to be ungrateful, um, and just many other improper evil ways to respond to gifts and to seeing other people receive gifts around us. And sometimes to the shame of the church, um, we can even behave that way, not just material things, but for the spiritual gifts. May that not be named among us here at LEFC. Let's look at each other and appreciate the gifts that God has given ourselves and each other and looking at one another and amening that and encouraging that with one another. And there's only one good way I really know to remain in the proper mindset when receiving gifts, and that's to remember the gift giver. The one who gives the gift perfectly dispenses those gifts. It's up to him to dis to decide what to give, what talents, what, what abilities, what positions. If you get a little bit, praise him and work that little bit. If you get a lot, praise him, work that lot. Do what he has for you. Whatever this station of life he has you in, work, work with what he's given you then. Our station will not stay the same. It will change. For the people that have been believers more than 70 years, they'll tell you. We'll go through seasons. But whatever season you find yourself in, be grateful. Be thankful and work what he's given you to work. We're going to move on, verses 8 to 10. It reads, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Huh? <laughs> what? 
All right, I'm gonna make a quick shameless plug. I'm a, I get the blessing and privilege of teaching ABFs. For those, those of you that aren't a part of LEFC or a member, ABFs are, are adult Bible fellowships. If you'd like to learn more, go to the welcome desk and they got more information on it. Um, it's basically like a Sunday school teaching type of time. I'm going to be teaching hermeneutics in the next ABF I teach. You're welcome to join. You can leave the ABF you're a part of and come visit once in a blue. <laughs> Just kidding, Tony. Well, I'm not kidding, but I don't know. You talk to Tony about that. Hermeneutics is just a nerdy way of saying the art of how to interpret the Bible properly. That's what I'm going to be teaching. And I'm going to be using these verses as an object lesson. So if you want to get deeper into it, you come, find me, you go to that welcome desk, and we'll provide more information. Um, if you're anything like me, at one time you've came across verses like these and you said to yourself, I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to keep reading to get my reading in. I'm just going to keep going. Mm, that's a bad habit, but I do admit these verses are hard to understand. There's a lot of questions here, questions like, why is Paul quoting the psalm? It seems that he misquotes this psalm. Who is it that ascended on high? Why would he take captives and give gifts to people? Who are the captives? All of this ascend and descend talk. Is it ascending from under the earth to the surface of the earth and then to the sky? What is this? And to fill the whole universe, what does that even mean? If time permitted, we do a recap um, of Psalm 68, we'd look at it. I'd tell you why some scholars think that Paul purposefully misquotes Psalm 68, and then I'd tell you why I think that he's actually quoting the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament. We talk about the terms Yahweh, Elohim, and Adonai, and how they're used, and the significance of this passage. I'd make a case that the captives are the enemies of God, and in their defeated shame, those enemies are paraded in God's procession. Oh, if we had time, I would dig into the fact that God now owns those territories of the defeated enemies and their belongings and distributes those gifts to his people. If only there were a time and place that we could discuss such things. <coughs> ABS. <laughs> Why did Paul say these things? Why bring up this verse? I think that he makes it clear in verses 9 and 10 why he quotes Psalm 68. First, I think he wants to show that since he ascended, it must mean that he descended. And this helps answer the question of who exactly it is that ascends and descends. And secondly, the one who distributes the gifts is the same one that uh, is seated in the position of high authority, power, and wisdom. Psalm 68, for the Jewish listener, would have resonated with them. Why? Because they know that this is speaking of Adonai. Adonai is the one who ascends. And if this Adonai is the same one that ascends, he must be the one that descended, right? And he ascended to the most preeminent spot. And I think they would be understand what Paul's trying to do. What is he trying to do? I think that he's saying... 
what he said in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. And this is what that reads. It said that Christ was raised from the dead. He was seated at God's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Adonai, the Lord, is the one Lord Jesus. And he's the one that's superior to all other spiritual rulers and authorities. And all of his enemies shamefully are under his feet. The Lord Jesus has been given sovereign rule over everything. And out of his lordship, he distributes gifts to his people. What are those gifts? How is he gifting us through his spirit? Verse 11 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers... God's gift here in this passage is leadership, specific positions, roles for the body. I think it's safe to assume that Paul wants his audience to recognize that the leadership was commissioned by God and also a gift. We would be wise to see our pastors, our elders the same way as commissioned by God and a gift to us. I know undoubtedly that there's somebody here that's probably been in a church with bad leadership. People that misuse the gifts that God has given them. And I'm sorry if you experienced that. But let's remember what Paul said. He said, we follow Christ. What is Apollos or Paul or Tony or Tyler or Lem? But Paul also said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul was a gift to the church. We have many giftings in this body in leadership to us in this church. We should follow that godly leadership. We should follow the example of it. Commentaries have much to say about the offices, the roles, the, posi the positions in church leadership. And um, today, I'm not going to get too deep on uh, the argument of apostles and prophets. Are they for today? One thing I can tell you is I think their gift set is similar today. We have people that go out on the missions field, breaking ground, going where the gospel was never preached before. We have men and women that will use their voice to herald God's good news. We have people that will preach powerfully God's truth and conviction comes over those hearers. I know many evangelists personally. Evangelists such as Ray Comfort. If you like Off the Curb Ministries, anybody? Check it out on YouTube, Off the Curb. Very, very good teaching. People using unique ways to reach this world. Finally, the pastor, teacher. And I'm connecting those words purposefully because the Greek seems to do so. I think here Paul's talking about elders, pastors, shepherds, teachers. There's a whole conversation of what that is and what that looks like. But to summarize quickly, I think this is men, godly men, that have the ability to teach the word of God. Oh, what a blessing it is. What a blessing it is to that, that sheepfold that get to be cared for 
their pastors and also fed. If you have that, you're a blessed people. Leadership isn't the only gift we see here. What does verse 12 say? To equip his peoples for works of service. I think there's something implied there. What's implied? Everybody should be being a gift to one another. Everybody should be working in the service of the ministry. Nobody is on the sidelines. All hands on deck. Amen? And what that looks like, that looks like helping in kidsmen, that looks like helping park cars, that looks like a bunch of tasks, especially the ones that nobody wants to do, but especially, I can tell you, it looks like doing what Jesus said, making disciples. The ministry of the word is not just, Tony can't sit with every single one of us and disciple us. Neither can I. Nobody here can do that, but we can all do something. Amen? Amen. You know, this building is very nice. Look around. Look at the seats. We get nice drinks. We get a dope setup. We're chilling. The speaker is dashing and dynamic and daring. Humble. But don't be fooled, this place of rest, refuge, restoration is because we all throughout the week should have been getting it, putting in work to come here to be revitalized by our brothers and sisters. This is not a one-stop shop for Christianity. This isn't the only station. Let me keep going. Because I am completely off of my manuscript. But just as long as you keep amen to me, I'm going to keep going. Amen. amen. You know, the Lord Jesus is Lord. He commanded us to do something. It's not president. It's not, you know, if you feel like it. He's Lord. There's no liberal, conservative bureaucracy in his kingdom. Our Lord said, Go. And when our Lord says jump, we say, how high? Let's put in that work, family, all of us to be doing the work, the works of service. And my final thoughts, I'm going to close with what growth looks like. We've been gifted so that we can grow. This is what the rest of verse 12 and 13 reads. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God's intent is that we work so that the body of Christ, the one church, can grow both in quantity and in quality. We're to be built up, unified, knowledgeable of the Son of God, and mature, a maturity that, that goes even to the fullness of Christ. The church will be built up in numbers and maturity, and the way that God has prescribed that is by one another. Is it possible for us to do that if we're territorial? Is it possible for us to do that if we stiff arm our brothers and sisters? Is it possible to do that segregated? No. 
splitting over minor doctrinal differences. Are you an agent of unity? Or are you an agent of segregation? We have to ask ourselves that question. Am I maturing or am I stagnant? Oh, church, there is a, if you're 30 years or more, again, raise your hand. Look around the room. There's enough reason to grow. I'm going to share a story, and I think this story will encapsulate what I've been trying to get across this whole time. So once upon a time, I was a student at LBC, and I was very zealous. And in my zealousness, me and my brother Chris Torsha, where's he at? I saw him here today too. There he goes, Chris Torsha, me and him were going out evangelizing. And this night we were going to evangelize, I seriously, the next day, was considering, I'm going to go to the airport, I'm going to buy myself a ticket, and I'm going to go to China or India and catch a spear for Jesus. That's what I thought in my brain. And I was serious about it. If you know me, I'll go do reckless things like that. So the night before, we go and... Um, we're at the Barnes & Noble, I believe it was. And I go up to the first dude I see. He's probably about 65 to 70 years old. And I walk straight up to the man and I'm like, sir, have you repented of your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ so you could be saved? And he just stared at me. <laughs> and I'm a little confused. And I thought, okay, maybe he didn't hear me. Maybe get through to this man. I said, sir, have you repented of your sins and put your trust in Jesus Christ so you could be saved? Again, he just stared at me. And then he looks at me and he says, let me ask you a question. Is it my decision that saves me or the blood of Jesus Christ? And now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> And I had a Bible in my hand. He said, is that a Bible? I said, yeah. He takes the Bible from me. He says, sit down to me and Chris. <laughs> and for a good two, three hours, this man just opens the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation and just shows us God's beautiful plan of salvation to us. And we were rocked, rocked. I left that borders. The moment I left, boom, I felt God just hit me saying, you're not going to leave LBC. You're not going to go to China or India. You're going to stay, and you're going to learn about me. You see, I already knew him, but I, I needed to know him more. I graduated from seminary. I still need to get to know him more. The means by which I can do that is even the people in this room, even me, myself, my older generation in the room, the beautifully salted, salt and pepper it's called, right? Generation, please. This man, he could have, he told me when he, when he was talking to us, he said, yeah, I've been a pastor for about 40 years. And now, since I've been a widower, I just come here and talk to people like you. That's what he said. Listen, don't waste your, you have such a blessing in retirement. You have the time to put people like me on that can take our zeal and go push, push the mission. Don't waste, your, don't waste the beautiful gift you have of your age and your experience 
and younger generation, don't sleep on that. There might not be a lot of people in the church that look like me and the brothers over there right there. You know who I'm talking about, the black guys. <laughs> it's okay. There's still diversity here. We have generational diversity, experiential diversity, cultural diversity even. Some of you come from a plain Dutch background, which is a whole nother experience, right? We have what we need by God's grace. Don't sleep on it. Older generation, please come visit our ABFs. <laughs> we need you. We, we need each other. We'll help move your furniture. You come help put us on. <laughs> I'm over my time. I'm going to close with this. Perhaps you're here today and you don't know Jesus because you've just never heard any of this stuff. Maybe you've been coming to churches and hearing for a long time, but you've not been born again. I'm going to ask you the same question now informed. The same question I asked that man. Have you repented and put your faith in the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? There's nothing more important. Nothing more monumental. You know, God is real. There is a such thing as right and wrong. And God is a good judge and he will judge wrongdoing. His wrath will be poured out on evil and sin. The unfortunate part about that is we all sin. We all deserve God's judgment and punishment and wrath. Oh, but praise be to God. What did he do? He gifted us with his son. What's the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's offered to you today. Don't leave this place unsure as if, if you're going to spend an eternity facing God's wrath or an eternity enjoying him. We don't know what the next 10 minute holds. I urge you, if you don't know him, don't trust in yourself. You can't be good enough. There's no other God that can save, but he's provided in the Lord Jesus Christ forgiveness of sins because Jesus died the death that you deserve to die. Live the life that we didn't live in perfect sinlessness. And he raised. Because he raised, you too can have life. Eternal life. A life that will glorify God forever. If you want to learn more about this repentance and faith, you can go to the encounter room to my left in that uh, hall there. You could come talk to me. You could talk to Tony. Many of the people that you would have seen on this stage. Or if you want to be discipled, you want to use the gifts that God gave you, get connected. Go to the welcome desk. Ask how you can get involved. Don't be left out. God's doing a lot, and it's amazing to be a part of that. And as you leave today, grab one of the invitation cards in the lobby for the Christmas Eve service so that people can come and they can hear the gospel and God will work and Lord willing, save many. As we close today, would you please stand so that we can sing the doxology together.
Let's sing with me. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.